Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. This is Cam, your host, and today I'm going to be talking with Dr. Patterson and Dr. Duffy of the Innova Brain Team. They offer a special type of service called chiropractic neurology. This is a great treatment for stroke and brain injury survivors. I guess we can start with Dr. Patterson. Tell us a little bit about chiropractic neurology because I think this is a fairly new thing. Chiropractic neurology is credited to Dr. Ted Carrick, and he was working with his patient base, and he started to integrate neurology into his practice, and he found that he was getting people better much quicker than, uh, than when using some more traditional chiropractic techniques. So when he added some neurological or brain rehabilitation strategies with his patients, he found that he was getting tremendous results, and he was getting people back to work and back to their health much faster. So he, at one point, was tasked with uh, spreading this to the world and began teaching and formed the Carrick Institute, where most people uh, that are currently doing chiropractic neurology now have gotten their education from. So uh, learning from the Carrick Institute, you learn how to use the skills that you've acquired in chiropractic school through the chiropractic adjustment, or sometimes referred to as manipulation. But in addition to that, there are many other therapies that you can utilize to have a positive effect on brain function. And for a lot of patients, if you have a positive effect on brain function, especially in the realm of stroke, uh, sorry, stroke and traumatic brain injury, uh, you, can, you can have some life-changing events and, uh, and a severe or more, more precisely profound uh, effect on their symptoms as far as reduction. Dr. Duffy, can you explain a part of the treatment you might do? We have to emphasize the fact that Dr. Carrick was initially looking for subtle signs and symptoms, which typically didn't have meaning to other practitioners. Dr. Carrick started really scrutinizing these, these subtle signs and symptoms. And, and I think that's the, the key to what we do in chiropractic neurology. A subtle finding can give us insight into over or under function of a specific area of the brain, uh, having insight into how that may impact or uh, result in a, a symptom or a presentation. We're able to affect a strategy to rehabilitate or change the function of the brain to a more normal state. So this may come in the form of some type of vestibular rehabilitation. We're looking at uh, different types of exercise or stimulation that uh, produces a, an effect in the uh, pool of neurons that we think are suspect by having the neuron become excited to a point that it fires or uh, tries to send a message to other neurons. Uh, connectivity is, is the key uh, with the nervous system. And if we can uh, cause a, a pool of neurons uh, to become excited to the point that it replicates or builds protein, then those neurons can maintain their health and actually build connections to other neurons. And that's the key to what we do in reestablishing connections where we have injury due to stroke, brain injury. In the medical world, 
how is this related to or different from neurological treatments that are offered? As far as what, what you can anticipate in the, in the medical realm, say in a hospital system, it's, it's uh, one, you're looking at acute care, right, in a, in a hospital system. So they, if you've had a, or, or in the process of having a stroke, then they're going to want to stabilize you and uh, essentially save your life. And then we come more on the back end where it's the rehabilitation side where we need to gain back as much functionality after that traumatic brain injury or stroke happens. Um, but like you said, there's other people in the medical realm as well that, that participate in that, such as occupational therapists and physical therapists. So where we differ a little bit from physical therapists and occupational therapists is that we're trying to have the most profound effect on people's brains and their neurology because that's essentially what, what controls the functionality of our body. And uh, whether it's you know our breathing rate or our ability to breathe, our ability to move, our ability to utilize our senses. So our, our purpose or our strategy, uh, say if you have a stroke patient and they've lost mobility in one of their limbs, maybe their arm, right? So they, they have decreased movement in their arm, you can, try and stretch that arm if it's really taut and tight and those muscles are restricted, right? You try to have an effect on the arm and you might see that more in the PT realm or with occupational therapy, they might give you adaptive strategies, you know, to, uh, to either try and get a little bit of functionality back in that arm that's restricted or to learn to use your other arm, right? If you were right-handed, maybe now you learn to write with your left hand. Our goal is we wanna have an effect on the brain as opposed to having an effect on the arm, right? And we do that because ultimately that's where the issue was. If you had a stroke and it's, it's not involved with some kind of car accident where you broke a limb and maybe you severed some nerves, if the stroke, if it was just a stroke and it occurred in your brain, then the issue is in fact in your brain. So we, with some patients, we may not do a whole lot directly with their arm, but we're gonna remap those areas in their brain that are in charge of controlling the arm and then we can get back functionality that way. So sometimes we go more direct and we do some things with the arm, and sometimes we go more indirect and we might do some other therapies like movements of the eyes or movement of the patient or utilizing some other uh, some sensations with the patient, whether it's light or sound or touch, to, uh, to increase that functionality of the brain area that's associated with that arm and then in turn get functionality back in the arm as opposed to trying to work directly with that arm. Were you both chiropractors strictly in the beginning? Dr. Duffy, how did you get into this? Well, I was teaching at Life University in their chiropractic uh, school, and I had been on the faculty for uh, about four years. And I was over at the faculty clinic one afternoon, and two of the work studies came up to me, two young ladies, and they said, Dr. Duffy, would you be interested in being the advisor to the Functional Neurology Club? So that's how I got started. It was one of these things where Functional Neurology chose me versus me choosing it. So it, uh, it snagged me, and ever since about 2003 or four, I've been absolutely fascinated and enthralled with it, continuing to, to learn something uh, every day and, and – uh, that was after being a, a chiropractor for 30 years. So, Dr. Patterson, how about you? I found it when I was in chiropractic school. 
through that same club though. So we do share that, that similarity. So when I was in chiropractic school, I had gotten there because I had a great experience with a chiropractor. As most people in our profession, they've, they've had some kind of uh, life event where chiropractic has, made, has had a major impact in their life. And I was definitely one of those people. And uh, I had been to eight or nine different chiropractic offices before I decided to go to school. I lo- had looked at three different schools before deciding to go to life. And uh, one of the big things about life is that uh, they have a really good club program. So I found the Functional Neurology Club. And in going to all these different chiropractors and having discussions about them, about uh, chiropractic in general and what it could do for people, um, I still had a lot of questions that, that weren't really answered to my satisfaction. And then when I got to the, chiropr- or to the chiropractic or functional neurology club, they were able to answer my questions pretty, pretty quickly and pretty effectively. And it just really made sense to me. And then I kind of just, like, like Dr. Duffy said, I kind of just got sucked in and never really looked back. And I just saw more and more of the huge impact that it can have on patients. And uh, I just, so I did my postdoctorate work and my doctorate work kind of concurrently. I heard you are kind of working at rewiring the brain. We're trying to recruit those, those neurons that are sitting there, but really not in the game. So you're, you're absolutely right about the brain does a great job of rewiring itself. And uh, I kind of see my job as like at the dance where you have a bunch of wallflowers there and we need to get them on the dance floor. And so finding the, the little trick, the precise stimulation that activates those, I'll say, wallflower neurons to, mm-hmm. to get on the dance floor and do what they're supposed to do is, is really the job of, of, uh, that, uh, that I have, right, is to uh, try to maximize all the neurological capacity that an individual has really exciting process of figuring out for each individual patient what it's going to take to maximize that, that functionality. Is each treatment different? We can have a fairly similar presentation, but yet different areas of the brain may be involved. And uh, so we might use uh, very different approaches to deal with similar presentations. That's what keeps it uh, so exciting and interesting for me. In your practice, what are some challenges that you all face with stroke survivors? There's going to be challenges with every patient with different conditions. You know, we work with a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different conditions. So you may have these symptoms associated with your stroke and then we need to take them into consideration where we, we don't want to exacerbate them if, if possible during the treatment process. And then, uh, one of the big things we do with all our patients, no matter what condition they have, is, is we want to know people's goals. We want to know what your number one goal is and then some of your extra goals. Because at the end of the day, you know, we can, we can make some great things happen for you. But if it's not on your list of things that you want to get done, then, uh, then we really didn't do our best for you. Just maintaining realistic goals sometimes can be a challenge, you know, and keeping people on track with that. And then uh, with all of our patients, we're working towards autonomy. So with, uh, with the rehab that we do, we do it very intensively um, over several days. And over several days, we get to really know what therapies work best for people and uh, which ones are going to be a really good home exercise for them. 
So we want to empower people to be able to continue their treatment when they're not with us so that they aren't 100% uh, dependent on us. So we can empower people with these, with these home exercises, and it's the patients that are good about doing their home exercises um, that are going to get the best results when they're, when they're not even with us, which, which is a great thing. So maintaining uh, people's expectations with their goals can sometimes be a challenge. And then making sure that, that people are indeed doing their home exercises can be like a challenge at time, but it's, it's, it's always rewarding. And the vast majority of uh, the patients that we see are highly motivated and really want to get better. So uh, there's, there's not too many complications in those areas. It's just something that needs to be taken into consideration. The vast majority of brain injury patients that I deal with have absolutely fantastic attitudes. I just have heartbreak sometimes when they just don't have the support that they need to, to really knock the ball out of the park. You know, we, we may have limitations, wishing that they had an iPad to do app-based exercises, things like that. Uh, some of the exercises might require that they be done passively, so someone has to assist them, and it's like, well, maybe I can do that three times a week, and they really need to be doing it three times a day. But those are some of the things that, you know, I just have trouble with. It just gives you a bad feeling knowing that uh, everybody doesn't have at their disposal all the resources that they, they could use. What do you guys think are the most common misconceptions about this uh, type of treatment? Well, I think that, uh, as you mentioned in the beginning, Cam, this is sort of a new endeavor, uh, a new discipline, uh, even though it's been around for over 30 years, uh, not a lot of people know about it. So I don't think that there's as much misconception as there just is ignorance of uh, what's out there for people in a, in a very conservative uh, approach to brain rehab. It's very easily be able to conceptualize what a, a heart surgeon does. You know, it's fairly easily conceptualized what a dentist does, but unless you've had an experience, you know, in our clinic, it's, it's difficult to, to conceptualize what, what we can do with chiropractic neurology and what we can do with brain-based therapies, uh, because it is, a, it is a relatively new field and it's not in the pop culture, you know, like uh, watching ER or something like that. So you can kind of conceptualize that. Not that there's always perfect accuracy in what happens in a hospital setting you know, on those TV shows, but it, it, it gives people an idea. So when somebody mentions, you know, I got to go see my heart doctor, they, they know roughly what's going to happen in that office. Whereas uh, with, with our, our patients, sometimes they, they come to our clinic and then they, they talk to their family back home. And it, it, uh, it requires us to jump on the phone a little bit and explain what's, what's been going on. And sometimes people hear the word chiropractor and Rightfully so, they associate with uh, chiropractic adjustments and chiropractic or chiropractic manipulation, depending upon how you want to call it. But we do that in our office, but we also do uh, a lot of in-depth diagnostics, a lot of in-depth examination, and in-depth uh, therapies, you know, outside of uh, adjustments or manipulation. So that, that can be a bit of a misconception as well. When people mention chiropractic neurology, what is their response Sometimes they, they hear the word chiropractor and they, they kind of latch onto that and they're like, oh, I know a chiropractor. And, you know, we talk about it a little bit. I'm like, that's great. I do a little bit of that, but there's a whole lot of other things that I do. And then sometimes it's just flat out, what is that? I've never heard of that. Do you guys have 
a success story? I'd like for Dr. Patterson to tell uh, uh, about a patient that uh, he saw, what, about two or three weeks ago? Yeah. That, uh, she uh, was nine years post-trauma? Yeah, nine years post-traumatic uh, brain injury and stroke. Um, so that, this, this is a, a good example of one, although there are many. But uh, yeah, so she was uh, nine years uh, post-traumatic brain injury and stroke. She was in a head-on collision car accident. Um, she went to, fortunately, one of the, one of the best uh, medical centers in the Atlanta area um, for uh, head injury and spinal cord injury and received uh, a lot of treatment there. Um, you know, so they stabilized her in that emergency situation. And then they taught her, uh, again, how to breathe, how to, how to uh, sit up in a wheelchair and then how to walk, how to walk with a walker, and then eventually got her to her cane. So they, they did a lot of great work with her. But, uh, but she knew that there was, there was the opportunity for more, that, uh, that, that there was more that she could do, essentially. So she went through months of rehabilitation with them, and then um, just always kind of had her ear out there trying to, trying to find out what's out there. Because just like you said, Cam, um, there's a whole lot out there that, that people just aren't aware of as of yet that are great options. So she wound up finding us, and then I worked with her for, uh, for a week. And uh, her, her goal was uh, she wanted more stability when she was walking. So that, that was our primary focus then. So I knew with that that uh, we needed to get more mobility in her right leg because she had partial paralysis in her right leg and she had full paralysis of her right arm. Um, but we focused on the leg because her number one priority was walking better so that she could be more independent when she was walking and have less falls. So, uh, so we got more movement back in her leg. She could, uh, she could lift her leg. And I, I realize that this is going to be over audio, but I'll describe it as best I can. She could lift her leg with her leg straight, but she couldn't lift her leg and bend her knee. And if you're going to have a good gait, if you're really going to be able to walk well, you need to be able to bend your knee while you're walking. So within, uh, within the first day, we were able to get her to bend her knee again. And then uh, she also wasn't able to, to roll her hip inward. And uh, so her, her hip was kind of, her hip and foot were kind of always pointed out, which made it a challenge to be able to, to swing her leg when she was walking as well. So uh, within the first three days, we got that movement back. And we just started getting more and more movement back in her legs. So the beautiful thing is now that when she goes back to her physical therapist, um, there's, she has way more range of motion. And now they're working on strengthening her muscles in, the, in those ranges of motion. So uh, we just received a call from her, I think yesterday, actually. And uh, she, hasn't, she hasn't had a tumble or a fall since she's been in here. She's feeling way more stable. Uh, we also noticed uh, it was kind of one of her tertiary goals, but her as far as as far as uh, regaining some of her her, her voice back because she's she's got kind of a raspy voice um, after after the accident, and that's starting to come back online. So she's just noticing some huge changes, and we were able to do that, that over the course of a of a five day period with her as far as doing our intensive rehab. So we, we made huge changes uh, with, with the months and months of beautiful rehab she received in the past. She just wasn't able to get those ranges of motion back, and we were able to get those back within a few days. So she was, she was one of those great cases. So we, she's doing her home exercises now, and then we're going to check in on her, and I check in with her via Skype 
periodically to make sure that she's progressing and she's progressing really nicely. So I just anticipating her getting more and more mobility back in that leg, getting closer and closer to her, uh, her previous uh, ability to walk. So, If someone wanted to check out a chiropractic neurologist and they're not in Georgia near you, how do they find a chiropractic neurologist? They can go to the ACNB doctor locator. So that's, ACNB is the accrediting agency for, for chiropractic neurologists. So just the letter A, C, and B, acnb.org. And uh, they can utilize the doctor locator to find a chiropractic neurologist in their area. But it, it, it also, I should, should mention as well that the vast majority of our patients are from out of state. Um, we're in the Atlanta area, but we see a lot of people from, uh, from Canada, Europe, uh, and across the country. So a lot of times um, there's, it's a relatively new field. So there's people out there and we can, we try and plug people in as much as possible with people in their area. But most of them, it comes down to a, a plane ride. So they'd rather come see us than take a plane ride and go see, see somebody else. So I think you have a website that they can go to. That's correct. It's okay. innovabrain.com. Do you guys have anything that you would want to add that maybe we didn't cover? The link, the link to that is on Stroke Focus. In one of the a recent um, posts I made, uh, I did put the ACMB link. So, <laughs> I do want to introduce Leslie because she has remained quiet during most of the time, and Leslie is their care coordinator. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm the care coordinator here at Inova. I, uh, I am the welcoming face. The people that are dealing with post-stroke and, and TBI, these are a special group of people. You know, these are warriors, and um, we understand what they're going through and, and have seen it. And if there's anything that we can do, um, people are welcome to call the office, speak to me. Um, I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm the one that answers the phone, and I'm happy to um, put you on the phone with the doctor um, to see if, you know, if our clinic would be a, a good fit for you, but also... Um, if we can't help, uh, we can do our best to to point you in the in the right direction, um, you know, to make sure that you're kind of continuing on your way um, and and making those strides that you need, whether it's at our clinic or or elsewhere. You know, our diagnostics are are pretty special, and and uh, we have a lot of folks that that come to us from from lots of other doctors' offices and. Um, have have never quite seen uh, the way we we approach diagnosis. There's different ways to look at at the brain. Uh, one thing you can do is you can look at it from like a static picture standpoint, right? So you could do like an MRI or CT scan, uh, which are beautiful. It's a great piece of technology, um, but it's it's kind of a it's a point in time, right? And that with that you can see maybe some areas of damage on there, but sometimes. Uh, in a case, case of mild traumatic brain injury and concussion, uh, the vast majority of the time, uh, the imaging comes back clean, but people are still having some major issues. Um, and then even in the case of something like stroke, you'll see the areas that were damaged, but the brain is in a network of neurons, right? So there's, like Dr. Duffy was talking about earlier, there's that constant communication from one area of the brain to the next. So if you take out one player in the game, then the entire team suffers. So you need to uh, provide support to that area that was damaged and try and get that back on, online. And, and if that's not possible, then you need to strengthen the rest of the players on the team. And that's where the, the unique nature of, uh, of the services we provide 
comes into play because uh, we look at the whole brain and then start to investigate using our diagnostics to figure out specific areas to each individual, uh, which areas of their brain are the ones that, that need rehab. So the way we do that is we will look at that CT or MRI um, and take that into account because that's a powerful tool. But we need to test the function of the brain as well to find those other areas or those other players on the team that may need support. The best way, uh, some of the best ways to, to test the function of the brain is to look at the movement of the eyes. If you look at contemporary research now, with whether it's uh, Parkinson's disease or concussion or autism or, um, or other neurological issues, people are looking at the movement of the eyes to diagnose the problem. Because uh, depending upon the direction that you move your eyes, the speed you move them at, and uh, what type of movement you're doing, whether it's a fast or slow movement of the eyes, correlates with different areas of the brain. And then it's the same thing kind of with balance as well. When brain function goes downhill, the movement of your eyes and your balance are some of the first things to, to start to slip. So there's sensitive markers for brain function, and it can lead us to areas of the brain that aren't functioning like they should be. So if we take this information from our balance testing and then from our eye movement testing, and then we combine it with the, the tests that we do with our examination, whether it's checking your pupils, checking your reflexes, palpating your muscles, testing the strength of your muscles, all those are correlated with, with brain function and specific areas of the brain. So then we take all that information together, then we can start to triangulate which are the areas that need more help and which are the areas that are functioning pretty well, and then do rehab to help those areas that need it to get those other players on the team strengthened. We work with some medical facilities in the metro area. One of our partners uh, that we are able to do uh, functional brain scans, what's referred to as a SPEC scan, and so it actually measured blood perfusion in the brain so it's extrapolated that the amount of blood means more blood more activity of the, the brain and uh, so it's actually measuring blood flow in areas of the brain thanks for listening to today's episode of the hand in hand show we hope you enjoyed it if you would like to keep the discussion going please join stroke focus the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. The website address is https colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net. Stroke Focus is S-T-R-O-K-E-F-O-C-U-S. Stroke Focus is a part of Wohala, which in Mandarin means, I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net.